if we went by the principle that those affected by a problem should be in charge of determining the solution, then the majority of the world's peace negotiators, foreign ministers, and diplomats would be women. Gender. It influences our identity, the role we play in our society, and the way that we interact with each other. The crucial role of women in preventing conflict and building peace has been recognized. Yet over the last 30 years, 70% of peace processes did not include any women mediators or women signatories. So peace, much like war, remains entirely dominated by men. Welcome to Season 6 of the Peace Corner podcast, brought to you by CSPPS, You Know Why Peace Builders, and GPAC. The Youth Thriven podcast, the Peace Corner aims to demystify peace building by giving peace builders across the world the opportunity to share their stories. We showcase the ordinary and extraordinary nature of peace building with the belief that everyone can be a peace builder. We just need to make space. This season explores gender dynamics in peace building. So who are the people making peace buildings more equal, inclusive and relevant? How are these pioneers making gender equality the norm? Keep listening to find out. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Peace Corner podcast. Today we are going to zoom into the topic of financing and resources for young peace builders, particularly young female peace builders. I'm delighted to welcome our guest, Saumia Agarwal. She's a co-founder and the CEO of Youth for Peace International, a youth-less peace building organization from India. She serves as a board member for Peace First, a youth country liaison for United States Institute of Peace, and as a consultant and core group member for GPAC's Youth Peace and Security Working Group. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Saumia. How are you? Hi, um, I'm really excited uh, to be part of this podcast and share some of our experiences and challenges. And yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm very excited as well to have you here. Um, so if you don't mind, uh, I would like to start with a quick game. Uh, so I will tell you a word and you will tell me the first word that comes to your mind. Sure, um, I'm ready. <laughs> so the first word is peace. Family. Youth. Me. Women. Us. Okay, so I think we're ready to start. <laughs> oh, lovely. So to go along with today's topic, Saumia, I would like to start. Uh, if you can share with us what has been your experience accessing resources as a young peace builder? Sure. Uh, thank you for the question. So uh, we started Youth for Peace International back in 2015, uh, right after when the Youth Peace and Security Agenda was adopted. And uh, we were really passionate uh, and had really amazing project ideas that we wanted to implement. But of course, to implement those projects, to sustain them, we wanted some resources. And when we started reaching out to different entities, right from uh, national uh, donors to companies to international donors, 
we were asked for certain prerequisite things for example uh, we were asked whether you have the bank account whether you are registered or uh, like we were in college when we started the organization so they also asked do you have someone more responsible in your organization with whom we can talk about finances and that was funny but they they felt that we as young people cannot really manage these resources and in the process uh, we realized that uh, receiving funds in india in indian ecosystem is really challenging because nationally if you have to receive the funding uh, we receive it through corporate social responsibility interestingly in this space more than 2 million has been spent in last 3 years but peace building is not one of the focus areas so even if uh, some of the companies want to invest in us want to support our projects support our work they cannot because peace building is not one of the focus areas and to receive foreign funding an organization needs to work and sustain their work for at least 3 years with a budget of over 13500 usd and then only they will be eligible to receive funds from international donors and partners now see nationally we cannot receive funds internationally we have this requirement uh, that we have to fulfill so it uh, this puts us in a very tough spot to create those uh, uh, resources beforehand without having any support so it was a very challenging experience for us and also a realization to work on these barriers and gaps that exist for a youth or women led peace building organization to access those resources so yeah i would like to add to this as well like despite the wealth of evidence highlighting the benefits that investing in women and in youth can bring in terms of conflict prevention uh, crisis response and peace um there's still a failure to allocate sufficient uh, resources and funds um and that's that has been perhaps the most serious and persistent obstacle um to the implementation of women peace and security agenda over the past uh, almost 22 years and also uh, of the youth peace and security agenda uh, for the last um, six years uh, so rich research uh, so shows a consistent um, and a striking disparity between these policy commitments to gender equality and women's empowerment and the financial allocations uh, to achieve them so um i would like to hear uh, could you please share with us how you first entered the field of financing for for peace building taking into consideration these uh challenges right so i already highlighted some of the challenges to access and receive the financial resources and in the scenario of india there is not much awareness among people about peace building work so for us even crowdfunding was not an option for our work international donors and foundations were showing interest to support our work at national level but as i mentioned unfortunately we were not able to receive those government approvals and documentations uh, that were required for us to receive those resources and uh, that created a huge restriction for uh, us as an organization now uh, on the other hand we were seeing that how uh, young people were really interested in the field they wanted to commit for it full time 
and they had some amazing ideas that they how they wanted to support their communities but again the resources were not available that's where we decide that it's a huge challenge and it's creating a barrier for all of us and that's where we started advocating first to counter the narrative uh, around young people's uh, key and positive role so we were talking about meaningful youth engagement and uh, we were talking about young people's key and positive role in this space and with this advocacy we were also reaching out to different donors and even internationally we were finding ways how we can receive the funds even with the current barriers and structures uh because we had a lot of young people so together we started advocating for it uh, we even participated in uh, the uh, framing of national youth policy that how we can include some of the narratives in it so that the when it comes to the implementation we can overcome some of the barriers but unfortunately those things were not even considered uh, even though when the policy was being framed they were very open for our suggestions but when the final draft came whatever we said nothing was there in it so it was a again a huge a setback for us that again you have to start from the scratch but we have seen that uh, uh the small grant program the mini grant program that the international organizations are coming up they are creating a a huge support mechanisms for uh, young people in country like india because um, again it is helping to sustain the work sustain the project in the community uh, still these fundings are not enough to sustain the work of the organizations in in the community uh, but again it is a great support when it comes to kick starting the project and running it for a certain period of time and then we are also finding ways on how to sustain our work and grow the organization okay so we have seen uh progress uh regarding the implementation of the wps and yps agendas uh, respectively but Saumia, in your view, then what needs to be changed uh, in the donor community for taking critical steps towards an enabling environment for young women peace builders? So the first gap that I see is the lack of trust. So first, what we need to do is to build that trust and a safe space where the communication can happen between women peace builders and the donors. Because donors need to increase the flexible, long-term, impact-oriented types of grants for women-led peace-building organizations, because this will support them uh, with more uh, sustainable, systematic, and transformative peace-building work. Because these women peace-builders work in very fragile communities, and it's very difficult to stop the engagement uh, in those communities because the project funding is over. so donors also need to see uh, that it's not just a grant they are giving but the quality of the grant they are giving and how it is really helping in uh, uh, shaping their work or supporting the communities and going with a do no harm approach rather than just implementing for the sake of implementation or uh, since they have committed in the policies uh, just to show the numbers they are just giving a small grant to these women peace builders this cannot happen now because uh, ultimately it's the communities that suffer so through the flexible funding support 
that uh, we have got as an organization i want to share a success story that yfpi was able to establish national coalition uh, which is indian coalition on youth peace and security to create stronger national youth peace building community with a clear vision of implementing the yps agenda at national level and we were only able to do it because we received a flexible funding support from one of the donors yeah so uh, i will also would like to add i think the the private sector still has this complex uh, structure that um we still need to figure out how how it works and how working together to accomplishing uh, real um achievements i think it's also important to to define who exactly is being engaged to develop such a framework and what what will the purpose will be for and utilizing existing networks, um, knowledge and expertise to sort through these issues and to enhance uh, also peace building financing um, for uh, advancing on, on this effort. So I would like to know uh, along your professional career, what have you even identified as best practices towards um, a gender sensitive financing peace building? So I had the opportunity to also interact with a lot of uh, donors at national and international level. I was able to also understand their part of challenges that they might not know our issues really well, or they have their own barriers and uh, restrictions. So what I personally feel is that participation of young women in setting priorities for peace building finances is still limited. So donors should consider ways of increasing consultation and involvement of young people and women when deliberating on their peace building priorities and ways to finance them. So not just assuming what our needs are, but uh, just engaging with us uh, to co-create those programs to co-create uh, and designing the grant program so i think that can be one of the uh, best practices for them because they don't know about us and we know our challenges better so this could be one model of working and um, uh, don't like for instance donors should prioritize incorporating women-led and youth-led uh, inputs into the development and implementation of their funding plans and strategies for example, there is this uh, Youth Peace and Security Fund, which is a, a decentralized funding mechanism, which gives power to young people to decide and allocate resources. So these kind of spaces are required where uh, young people can take ownership uh, in designing and facilitating the process. Wow, that sounds amazing. And a follow-up on this, then um, we've talked about like how the private sector can, can be involved, but how can we from um, our seats contribute to a gender sensitive financing of peace building? Right. So if I understood the question correctly, you mean how the projects we are creating could be gender sensitive? Yeah, like normal people, like not from the big corporations, from the private sector. But me, Sandra, here from my city, how can I contribute to a more gender-sensitive financing peace building? Uh, firstly, I think that I have seen that a lot of individuals uh, contribute via crowdfunding or supporting any initiative in their personal capacity. So I think uh, first thing that they can see is that how uh, the organization is uh, gender-sensitive, their work is gender-sensitive and not just 
uh, violating uh, anyone's rights so i think having that awareness and understanding is very important when we are contributing towards um, any organization towards any community so i think uh, this is one of the ways for individuals so uh saumia so far we've talked about um about building this trust and uh, an ownership with the donor community so i'm wondering if you have some practical examples of how to build this trust and ownership with youth and with particularly with youth women i would like to share with you that uh, during the pandemic it has showcased that when crisis hit local actors like women and youth led organizations are the first and most effective responders but when we are seeing the stats and data we are seeing that these are the people who are not getting the access to resources so how we can fill the gap and the answer to it is that we uh, uh, build trust between the donors as i mentioned earlier like between donors and the actors and some of the ways are that uh, young women and uh, young people are engaged in the uh, designing of those uh, grant opportunities or uh, financing priorities are decided uh, in partnership with them and when we are implementing the grant uh, we have seen that Uh, donors have very strict and long uh, reporting process so how we can make it more simpler and shorter for women led organizations and youth led organizations because they have limited capacity and when we give them more space and if we have like the shorter uh, reporting mechanism it will give them more space uh, in the implementation it will take away a lot of burden from them and finding ways how we can uh, transfer fund uh, which which is in a more flexible way because a lot of them might not have bank accounts or uh, might face a different kind of restrictions so uh, another successful model is the intermediary funding mechanisms and that has been de uh, designed by civil society organizations for mini grants and small grant program and gpac and peace first are providing flexible funding to uh, women led and youth led peace building organizations and there is another example that i want to highlight uh, so the youth 360 approach for funding youth led projects by unoi and search for common ground focuses a lot on uh, collaborative conflict analysis project design participatory grant making and youth led project implementation which is uh, one of the best examples of building the trust and ownership in the process so that's my take on it yeah uh, thank you so much for reminding us the importance of um including youth and women uh, in all the the process of uh, of the project of not just from the beginning when it's being designed until the implementation of it because you won't have the same results if just um, they are included at the, at the end of it so yeah it's very important uh, to to keep in mind this especially for for the ones on project design and program design as well um so so far yeah we've been talking about the challenges the best practices um these examples that you just shared with us so taking all of this into consideration how does an ideal future look 
for the field of peace building. I think uh, COVID-19 has made us realize the need for more reliable, sustainable, accessible funding for peace building is even more urgent. Uh, the pandemic has worsened already the dire conditions for women and girls in conflict-affected settings. Uh, to add to this, organization reported cuts and delays to fundings due to COVID. And uh, yet the pandemic has showcased that when the crisis hit, these are the people who are working on ground and supporting the communities. So uh, it's time that donor and also other uh, stakeholders should realize the need of it and think uh, within their strategies how they can uh, support these uh, women-led organizations and youth-led organizations on ground and how their funding is reaching out to them. Because uh, uh, it's also important to not create unnecessary steps uh, in the middle because that also exhausts funding before they even reach to uh, women peace builders or other young people. So it's really important to be mindful of how uh, the funding is actually reaching to the community. Thank you for sharing it with us. And um, yeah, I think it's very important that we start, as we mentioned before, that we start from our seats, like be mindful of um, the projects or the programs where we are being involved for, uh, where we, do, we make donations or crowdfunding, make sure they are um, gender uh, sensitive. Um, so we start like doing uh, step by step and keep move, moving towards this uh, ideal future. Um, is there anything else you would like to share with us today? Yes, I think um, the high level meeting on financing is in the end of April. And uh, my message to uh, the policymakers and the uh, government officials and the uh, other stakeholders is that uh, it's time that you start engaging women and young people in the uh, 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 decision-making spaces, especially when it comes to deciding your priorities for financing, designing the programs to uh, provide the grants to these young people. So uh, it's time to engage us in the process and also take accountability because it's been um, over 22 years to women, peace and security and over six years to youth peace and security agenda. So it's time that we localize it. We as uh, uh, young women and young people cannot localize it without uh, having resources in hand. So uh, we need the support and you can provide the support. So it's time that we collaborate and work together. Well, uh, that's it for today. Uh, thank you so much, Saumia, for this uh, enlightening conversation. I do really learned a lot. And also thank, thank you to uh, our audience. Um, and I would like to finish with the thought that um, it is critical to create um, clear opportunities and channels for women's meaningful participation in the, fine, in the fine financing for peace building priorities. And as Saumia mentioned, it's time for local women peace builders to directly influence financing priorities and planning and be at the center of partnership. Uh, frameworks. Let this conversation serve as a reminder that peace and security can only be achieved if all members of society have equal opportunities. Thank you so much, everyone, and until next time.
Thank you. Thank you for joining us today and for contributing to a better world. Thank you for listening to the Peace Corner podcast and supporting our initiative. Feel free to share this episode with people around you who you think might benefit from it. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you might be listening from. <laughs>